the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm Ashra Blakely, and my guest today is the one and only James Edwards III from The Athletic. James, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Had a good holiday. Um, it's not snowing really yet here. It's raining, but it's not snowing yet, so it could be much worse. Oh my goodness, it could be so much worse. It could be so much worse. And, and James uh, covers the Detroit Pistons for The Athletic. And before we get into that, because there's a lot to unpack with that, I uh, want to just let, let a lot of listeners know that this episode of the Big 3 NBA Podcast is brought to you by Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. And new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Now, James, my friend, uh, I've been thinking about you a lot lately. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about all my brothers in Detroit and sisters in Detroit uh, who, who have any relationship in any way, shape, or form with the Detroit Pistons. First of all, how are you holding up through what has been uh, – we've seen – all of us who cover the NBA, we've, we've covered teams that have had, like, stretches of, of, of losses – piling up but you are in a historical run unfortunately how you doing yeah i mean it's it's been fine like uh, the, i guess the hardest part now is now that you've gotten like to this far like i just feel like i've run out of things to write about or i've been writing, <laughs> writing the same thing over and over uh that's probably the toughest part but in terms of like the day-to-day -day, um one thing detroit has done well over the few years is getting like good guys in the locker room guys that understand our job guys that as long as you're you're fair and you're not like this guy sucks like you know how the decorum that we have to carry ourselves with in this job as long as you're not like doing personal attacks like they're they understand what's going on they understand the situation hell some of the players feel bad for us too like they they understand that our job's not easy right now either so it's been fine i would just say the hardest part is like trying to continue to come up with uh creative stories to do uh but listen i've covered this team it's my seventh season and it's not like they've won um in, in any of those seasons anyway so it's it's just a more compact version of what i've been doing for for several years yeah it, it's it's you know when i when i look at just some of the work you've done uh another one of my good friends and colleague of yours michael curtis some of the work you guys have done uh it it's almost like a 180 of when I covered the team years ago, uh, what I had to do. Like you guys, it, it's really hard to find like that silver lining to just really, you know, find the positives when you when there's so many losses. And, you know, when I covered the team, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals pretty much every year. Right. And I was, you know, really trying to find what's what's the, what are they not doing well? What What can they get better at? Uh, how has that process been figuring out just trying to find, you know, those little nuggets or morsels of positivity when there's this, it seems like just an avalanche of just obviously bad results. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like the, the tug and pull right now for me. It's because like in previous years, like they weren't expected to be very good and the focus was on rebuilding and the, the growth of the young guys. So like most of the season you spent talking about like the development of certain players and it's like, that that's because the team didn't have much expectations. Right. And then this year they kind of put it on themselves. Yeah. We want to compete till the end. 
we want to have a chance for the for the play in at the at the least. And it's like, okay, so now we have to talk about how you're performing as a group. And for me, like I don't I don't think it's worth when you're in the midst of a losing streak like this, it's kind of I just don't think it's correct to try to point out any positive. Like it's just this is a losing streak like it's never been seen before. So you have to emphasize that. But like I guess I've like trickled in. Um, like Kate has been really, really, really good the last 10 games or so of this losing streak. Um, so I, I've, I've sprinkled in a story about him. Um, I have one about, well, both the Thompson twins and, and their other brother coming uh, when the Pistons play the Rockets for the first time on Monday. Um, so you can like kind of sprinkle stuff in there. But I think when you're losing like this, something nobody's ever done before, it's kind of hard to to I, I don't even think it's right to try to make an attempt to write anything positive to be honest with you right do you find yourself looking a little bit closer at the opponent and just maybe what they're doing and maybe storylines related to them because i i i found you know that's when i think about just the challenge that you face in trying to really continue to churn out compelling copy uh part of me thinks that maybe you want to kind of take a little peeky peeky over at what the other team is doing and maybe shift a little bit of the attention that way for for every now and then yeah i mean that's a, that's a one way to go about it. i think my job's a little different because there's likely one of me covering the other team mm. just because we're at the athletic and there's a lot of teams are covered so it's kind of i don't want to step on anybody else's toes uh but that certainly is a way to look at it like that's that's no question uh sometimes yeah i wish i had that luxury and you touched on this a little bit earlier but the locker room and and you know, win or lose, we, we've seen enough teams where there's there's some level of drama or, or tension, whether they're winning a lot of games or losing. What, what's what been your overall sense about the players in this locker room and just how they've uh, handled just an unprecedented run of, of just of lack of success? Yeah, and uh, they don't show it when we're around, if there is any type of confrontation, but I would – I'm sure there has been confrontation, right? But it's not anything that is out of the, out of the normal. Like you know, you've covered good teams that have confrontation. There's confrontation in, within families. Like that's just normal when you're around somebody that much, and then you add in the losing. Um, but when I get in the locker room, it's obviously depending on the matchup. Like some days are more somber than others. How they lost, some days are more somber than others. Uh, but there's not a. It hasn't been an unpleasant work environment to where I can't like walk in there and the guys I have relationships with, like if I need a quote, they're, they're always willing to help. They're always willing to, to, uh, to do their job. And so I could do my job and shoot arounds and stuff. Like they're the guys I still joke around with. Like it's they're It's obviously like they're shell shocked and they're hurt. And they're like, what the heck's going on? And I think they're still trying to wrap their like head around it, but um, there's a level of professionalism as young as this team is, they, they all carry themselves very well. And, uh, I appreciate them for that because they could make my job even truly hell if they wanted to. Um, like it could be so much worse. I mean, our good friend Vinny Goodwill covered teams that rebelled against the coach, right? Um, it's it could be it could be a lot worse. Yeah, me, me and Mr. Goodwill, we we had many conversations about how to handle that and how not <laughs> to handle that. And sometimes he listened to me, sometimes he didn't. But that's <laughs> another story, another day. Uh, the one thing I, 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 you know, as I've kind of watched this and, and all of us in the NBA ecosystem have kind of watched this from afar, uh, I've been curious about Monty 
and just mm-hmm. how he's doing. I mean, this is a guy that for those of us who cover the league, we saw what he did in, you know, in, in Phoenix. We know, you know, his time in New Orleans. Uh, and me, I go all the way back to when he played in New York. Um, he's always been a really likable guy. Uh, someone that even though you don't want to necessarily root for coaches and root for players, you kind of found yourself sometimes rooting for Monty. Uh, some of the personal tragedies that he's had to deal with and overcome. He, he's been through a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's probably helped shape his perspective on this losing streak to some yeah. extent. But I'm just curious, how has he been in terms of dealing with, with the media in, through all this? No, he's been good. He's done. He's he's uh, answered every question thrown his way, um, even questions that criticized him. Um, he, I think there's like a misconception out there that he just only took this job for the money and doesn't care. But like I can promise you and tell you as somebody who's around every day, the guy cares. Uh, nobody was asking that question when the Pistons were two and one, right? Like it's, right. it's a matter of the situation, but he certainly, um, he he's, he's right there. Like he's, he's taking all the blame for it. Everything that has gone on. He's saying, this is on me. That's on me. This is on me. Like it's, it's, it's been pretty repetitive with that message. And obviously that's what you want to see. If you're, I would assume as a player from your leader, from a guy who's been through the fire before, um, but he's certainly, yeah, like I, I'm still getting to know Monty. Um, I like, I like his bluntness. Um, if you have a question and he doesn't understand it, he'll ask you to rephrase it. If you, if you don't ask a good question, he'll, he'll give you a short answer or he'll, his, his way of humor is throwing it right back at you. So like, I respect his, his bluntness. And, um, I think he's, he's definitely like, he's never went through anything like this. He's, uh, I think he feels the weight of being paid all this money and, being kind of the one asked to turn this thing around and it's not happening. Like, I, th- I think he feels all that. Um, and it's, 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 it's been interesting to see, but he's handled himself well. Yeah. One of his, his really close friends who's no longer among the coaching uh, fraternity, but still very close to Monty is doc rivers. And, and I, and doc and I've had conversations about Monty uh, pre prior to the losing streak. And, you know, Having, I think the one thing that's, that's probably helping Monty uh, kind of deal with this is just his support system. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a group of, of folks who have been there through some of the really toughest, tumultuous moments in his life, uh, helping him keep perspective. And and the thing that, that bothers me, uh, James, and then I, I don't, you know, again, this is me from afar, but people act like this dude can't coach. People act yeah. like this dude has, has never in, had any type of success as a head coach in the NBA. Uh, the contract that he got with the Pistons, you don't just give that contract out to some dude that you think is cool. You don't yeah. give that to your boy. You give that to someone who you think is going to elevate your franchise. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets 
that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gambling helpline ma.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And along those lines, James, uh, I'm just curious, how has the front office, from what you can tell, kind of viewed these struggles, uh, you know, from 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 their perspective? Are, are you getting a sense of how they, they've kind of viewed the losing streak and whether uh, Monty, you know, is a guy that they're like, I don't know if this was the right guy or any, are you getting any kind of vibe at all about how they see Monty any differently now than maybe when they hired him? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that certainly like, I don't think they've lost trust in him. Uh, I don't think that they don't think he's the man for the job. I think they're just as shocked that, listen, the team's really young, but they got talented players. I don't, nobody expects this. Right. And they got kind of, it, it hurt them early on because the, the few veterans they do, I have on the team, like we're all hurt at the beginning of the year. And Monty Morris still hasn't played the game this year. The, t- the Pistons are one of the worst turnover teams in the league. Uh, by a good margin. Boyan Bogdanovich, I don't think that we're even having this conversation if he's starting, if he started at the beginning of the year. Not to say that they would be good, but I don't think we're having this conversation. Uh, Joe Harris has been injured, and when he has played, he hasn't been super productive. Alec Burks started really hot, being the Alec Burks that we know got hurt and has been one of the least efficient shooters. So it's like their plan of like having enough veterans to help lead the young guys backfired on them. I do think that, like, when it pertains to Monty, like, I, I, they gave him the the runway to learn this team himself and make his own conclusions. And I think, obviously, you want that you want that to happen. But I also think he maybe was a took a little while to learn this team. Um, like I I think the the tough love with Jaden Ivey maybe lasted a little too long, just given their circumstances. Uh, the, the all bench lineups haven't worked for them, but they continue to use them. Uh, I think it's certainly like I think there are people in the front office who would rather have Jaden Ivey play significantly more than like Killian Hayes, but Monty likes Killian Hayes or he, and he wanted to give him a shot early. So there's certain things like here and there that not I mean you there's people you work with you don't always agree with, but I don't think it's anything that like is uh, uncomfortable for anybody. No. Yeah, and when when people look at this team, they see a lot of youth. Uh, and they see a lot of potential. And you can understand why Troy Weaver wanted certain players to be part of this this franchise. Uh, but these type of stretches of play brings up that R word, rebuilding. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you rebuild with a relatively young team? Because typically when you rebuild, it's because you've, you've tried it a certain way, you've mixed in young and not so young players, and you've got a little bit of a balance there and it's just not working. So you just scrap it all and then you just try to start over. But it seems like there's there's enough youth on this team where I'm not sure if a rebuild is necessarily going to be the way to go with this team. And what's your take on, on just the potential of them having another rebuild after this this current rebuild? Yeah, I don't think they need that. I think they just need to like usher in more veterans that are impactful players. Like it's not they got to put the young players in the best position to succeed. They need more spacing around Cade. Uh, they need to use a SAR. It's kind of like how Bruce Brown was used in Brooklyn, just like a short roller, playmaker. Uh, they need they got to have shooters around Jalen Duran, who's a, been a great lob threat with Cade. 
Um, in terms of like Jaden Ivey, like give him the runway to be him. Let him handle the ball and and take and take pressure off of Cade. So I think the most important thing, like if this team could add like one or two veterans who are like NBA rotation players before the deadline, I think, again, they'll just go from a regular bad team into like a historically bad team. They just need guys who have been there before. Um, who knows what it who knows what it takes to win a game down the stretch, who can hit some open shots. Like that's the biggest thing. I just the, they've been really kind of let down by their veterans, not named Bogdanovich. And he and he struggled defensively. But like I said, Monty Morris hasn't played. Alec Burks has, has really, 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 really struggled. And Joe Harris hasn't played. So uh you're asking a bunch of young guys who have never learned to win at this level uh to try to climb out of a hole that not only have they never seen, but most people who play the sport have never seen. And as you, and to your point, James, if one of those three guys has an average season at this point, you're probably not on the 27, 28 game losing streak, uh, right. most likely. Right. Excellent. Uh, one of the, the one of the and again, I, I wanted us to kind of get into just some of the big stakeholders. And obviously we talked about the you know guys in the locker room. We talked about front office head coach. And then there's to me the the stakeholder in every franchise that often gets overlooked. Uh, and that's the fan. Uh, mm -hmm. And you wrote a really good column about just, you know, the fans, you just really, they deserve better. And, and talk, talk to the folks a little bit about that column and just what was the genesis of it? What made you feel at that particular moment that was the right column to write? Yeah, man, it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was last, what's today, Thursday? I want to say it was a week ago today. Uh, the Pistons were facing the Utah Jazz, who were without like five starters slash rotation players. The team had lost 25 straight games, and let, yet you look around the arena and the place is packed, the place is full. And everybody is like, this is the night. Like, it's Utah, who, when healthy, isn't that good of a team. But missing guys like Laurie Markin and, and THT and Jordan Clarkson, like, this is the game, especially for a team that's lost 25 straight. And they they lost. They lost to that team. And um, the people were with them the whole time. They were loud. They were they were cheering them on. And it's like, I don't think you can't take that for granted. Cause me and you, we travel, we've seen some of these arenas with great teams. They don't get full. Miami is not the greatest place for, for, for basketball. Um, you see the Clippers, like they still struggle with attendance. Like we can go down to Atlanta, like is not a great, it doesn't usually have great crowds. Like, you know how much this city loves Detroit and how much, or how much they love the Pistons. And, uh, They've been through a lot the last 15 years, and I just think that it was kind of unacceptable for that group to lose the way that they did to that Utah Jazz team when you've lost 25 in a row. It shouldn't It shouldn't be the Jazz playing like the team that doesn't want to lose to the Pistons. It should be the Pistons playing like they're done with this losing streak. And I just thought looking around the arena here and how loud it was, I just it just kind of like hit me that's like this isn't – they don't deserve this. Whatever this is, they don't deserve that. Yeah, it, it just seems that watching I I've seen them play three or four times this year. And um I'm sorry about that. It's okay. It, it's I I've watched this team play three or four times this year. And the thing well, I was that, saying I'm sorry about that, that you watched them. <laughs> I know what you meant. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I I've done it intentionally. I call me a glutton for punishment, uh, but <laughs> I, I absolutely did that. Here's the thing that jumps out to me though. They play well for like two or three quarters. And then when it matters most, it's just like they almost feel like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're almost going to win this game. What are we going to do? And I don't I don't know how they can go about fixing that because they, they've been of those 20. I mean, you you know, this better than I do. But I, I got to believe that there's been at least a handful of games, if not more, where they were basically four or five minutes away 
from coming away with a victory. Yeah, or right. yeah, or or I'll take it a step further. Like there was a couple games a weeks uh, a couple weeks ago um, against the Knicks. I think they lost to the Knicks by six, and in the first quarter they turned the ball over eight times. Right, like you can't. They have to learn that every possession, every stretch, like it's not just always the end that costs you a game. The other night against Brooklyn. They outscored Brooklyn, I think, in every quarter. I think they might have got outscored by, like, three in the fourth. But they lost the game because they got outscored by 13 in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, like, it's things like that where it's, like, one quarter they get blasted and it's they're not good enough to overcome such a deficit. And But to your point, like, at the end of games, you see them playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And you see some tentativeness. You see just kind of, like, shell-shockness and, like, uh, like, what do we do? Like, it's – because, you know, teams that have players that have – been in big moments like they know the aggressiveness and you you don't play the same way in the final five minutes you played in the previous 35 and a lot of teams have guys that have been through those situations and they know that this team doesn't and it shows whether it's missing open shots whether it's turning the ball over whether it's being too antsy on defense and you, you're going for you're going for pump fakes like I think a lot of what they're going through is just a, a product of having too many young guys and um, I think that's the danger of rebuilding. I think there has to be a, a, a great balance of don't always rely on, on the youth. Yes, you want them to, to develop and you want to put them in certain situations, but I, I, I think it's very important to have a guy out there to have done it before. Um, I, I think that helps helps those young guys see it can get done and it builds confidence when it does get done. Um, it, it's helpful. It's all psychological in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, when you look at a lot of the great players in the game now, there was that veteran on the team that could be almost like a their North Star, if you will, mm -hmm. when they were first getting started in the league. Uh, when you look at a, a Kyrie Irving, you look at LeBron James, you look at Anthony Davis, you look here in Boston with Jason Tatum, you can go down the line of like the top five, top 10 guys. Almost every one of them had that one vet that either was got helping kind of point them in the right direction on the court or off the court. A guy like Luca, as great as he's been in Dallas, Dirk was in his hair early and often, uh, yeah. whether he was on the court with him or not. And it, there's so much value in, in having guys like that. And and it's it's painfully obvious when it's not there, um, which which brings me to to one of my last couple of points. Uh, and, and to me, the, the person that I worry about more than anyone else in this entire saga is Cade. I mean, Cade mm -hmm. is a special talent uh i felt that way before the draft uh i've i've felt that way ever since him and i've had conversations with in summer league where we've, we've talked about that uh and just becoming a leader uh this is probably not the way he the blueprint he thought of his leadership and how it would have to take center stage but i worry about him in terms of not in terms of talent but just in terms of as you as you pointed out just the confidence to be a leader and that he's doing the right things and he's taking the right steps to become, you know, a, a face of the franchise of a, of a winning situation. And I, I worry that this is a tremendous blow from a mental standpoint for him than anything else. What's, what's your take on, on Kate at this point? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair concern. I, I and as somebody who has a, a good relationship with them, I think he wanted to go number one because he wanted those responsibilities he wanted that anxiety that comes with trying to turn a franchise around and being the face and being the guy who talks and the guy who takes the blame and, and takes the takes the accomplishments when they come and this is this is what he wanted I don't think he knew or anybody could expect that it came in this fashion right like this isn't a normal thing but I do think he's built for it 
Um, I think he, I, I think he has a one, he has a, a great family that he was raised well. I think he's blessed to be able to like do what he does. And he's, I think he's just a down to earth person who understands like it's bigger than basketball. And it's like, this is something that we need to like get through together. Like this is almost like lifelike. This is take this, take basketball away from it. This is a group of people going through something that they've never gone through before and have to figure out how to get out of it. Like this is, this can be applied to life. So I think he has the right mentality. Um, I, I think, like I said, the the first 10, the last 10 games of this streak, he's been really, really good. The first 10, and he'll be the first to tell you his plays part of the reason they lost maybe 10 in a row early on, right? Like he turned the ball over more than anybody in the league. Um, so he'll, he'll tell you that and he takes responsibilities for that. But as of late, he's been doing everything he can. Um, and I think both, both on the floor and vocally, he's, he's a guy that guys really do rally around and a, a guy that people listen to when he does talk. So I don't think it'll break his spirit. I think he understands that like the situation isn't ideal, of course, but like with a few tweaks here and there, like this isn't who they, this isn't going to be who they are forever. Like there are going to be changes, of course, like you lose this much, there are going to be changes and it's just a matter of making sure they get them right. But I don't, I don't think he believes this is like what they are and who he is and who they are for forever. Um, he's told me many times it's going to get, it's going to get better one day. Yeah. And I, I agree with him. He, I, again, I, I just think that uh, there's certain players, I think having gone through something like this, would just absolutely wilt. Uh, and I don't think he's that type. Uh, and, and, and again, you, you know, his background as well as anybody, I don't think he's, I think, well, he's built better than most to go through something like this and actually come out on the other side better than he was before. Agreed. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what's, what's, uh, how Kate is going to, you know, navigate going forward. Cause again, he's a special talent and yes, they're in an absolutely horrendous stretch of play to say the least. Uh, but I do think I, with you, I do think that he's going to figure out how to, to elevate this franchise when all said and done. Now, my last so. question to you, James, mm-hmm. uh, put in the, the James Edwards, the third, uh dr cap if you will because i need you to come up with what's the one remedy or one change or one tweak that the detroit pistons can make that will get them on the right track to success what's the one thing that they can do that can just move them in the right direction from obviously the, the you know where they are right now i think they just need to improve the bench uh i think they just need like like i said one or two more nba proven players who can come in defend on the perimeter and shoot threes they need more three and d wings uh they're really lacking there right now uh sar thompson who i i think is gonna have a bright future is really good defensively but he struggles on offense Bojan bogdanovich is amazing offensively he struggles defensively uh, they had high hopes for isaiah livers and he's really struggled since coming back from his ankle injury uh, same with alec burks he's just struggled and he's if he's not giving you much on offense there's not a lot there on defense so they just I just think like if they even bolster the bench with one or two guys who have been there before, who have done it, who can play two way, like again, they'll turn into a regular bad team, I think. And you look at the the starters the last few games, like the starters have been pluses. It's it's the bench and and Monty going to the all bench units at times where they just really lose the game. And uh I, I don't know if that's maybe him like, hey, look, we need some bench players. We need some, we need a few more. But even if it's not, it's it's very evident to everybody that they're just not deep enough right now to to withstand expecting that much from one Cade who just came back after a year off due to injury guys like Ivy and Duran who 
Duran has been in and out of the lineup with the injury. Like that's just a lot to put on young guys. I think they just need a little bit of a little bit of veterans who still got juice left to uh to help get them out of this. Yeah, they they definitely have lots of room for improvement, uh for sure. Uh I cannot say the same for you, Mr. Edwards, because you are uh, already a proven stud in the business. Uh if I try and be like you, man. Nah. Raise the bar, my friend. Raise the bar. <laughs> James Edwards III uh, covers the Detroit Pistons for The Athletic. Uh, check out all his content on The Athletic. Again, lots of good stuff. Uh, he's done a hell of a job covering this team uh, for what's it been, six, seven years now? You've been yeah, here? it's my seventh season, yep. Right. Uh, does a great job covering the Pistons. And, again, one last shout-out to our big three NBA podcast sponsors, uh, Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network, where new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. Uh, you can check out this uh, this uh, episode of the big three NBA podcast on all your podcasting apps. And again, check out my good friend James Edwards and all of his content on the Athletics website. Uh, James Edwards, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Glad to have you on the show. Hey, I really appreciate you having me, man. Happy holidays, happy new year. And tell Gary and Kwani, I, I, like they both miss when I show up. Like not even just one of them. They're both like, I got that. I'll take this it one It could off. be intimidation. They might yeah. be intimidated. All right, I'll see them that, soon. That's the card I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the intimidation <laughs> card. <laughs> there we go. I'll see them soon. All right, James, good talk to you, my friend. You too, thank you.